Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Jonah, such a great book. Such a great book. Um, let's, I want to actually, this is kind of an interesting thing to do. I just feel like today is, is this day to do it. Uh, we're setting in practice, some of us, brand new practices that will impact us for the rest of our life. And I think if you're listening online and you're here today, maybe you might even ask the question, why study an ancient text that's like 3,000 years old? Like, wh- why take the time to do it? Like, so, you know, because Victoria mentioned, you know, to, you know, many, many of us, many friends, you know, Sunday is, is unwind time. Sunday is the me time. Sunday is the mommy time. Why take time? Most of our friends probably aren't sitting around coffee right now and digesting 3,000-year-old Hebrew literature. So why should we do it, not just in a service today, but why should we do it, this is the more important question, tomorrow, Right? And, and so I, I feel like today is twofold. Today is, today is a twofold thing. Uh, it, we're going to look at the book of Jonah, but we're also going to look at how we can look at the book of Jonah tomorrow and how we can look at every other book contained in the Bible. You know, the Bible's not one book. It's like a little library, a collection of all different kinds of books. And so this is exciting because what you're doing is you're saying, all right, if you're not in the practice of doing that, you're in the right place today because you can start tomorrow. And I just want to help you do that. Is that okay? I want to, I want to help you do that. So before, before we get too deep, let's just talk about, um, about the book of Jonah. Uh, it's, it's roughly written between 793 and 758 BC. It's super tiny. If you're looking at your paper Bible, it's only like a couple pages. Would you do this because this is a practice, because we're kind of, we're interacting today. Here's what I want you to do. Even if you're not in the practice of doing this, even if you are resistant to doing this, I want you in, in your living room right now, or you're here in the room, if you have a paper Bible, I want you to open it up yourself. Don't just look at the sky Bible. That's great. But I want you to open up your Bible to the book of Jonah. And if you don't have a paper Bible, I want to introduce you to an app and I want you to download it right now. It's called Version. All right. So you can go to, I'm serious, go to your app store and type in this, this right now. If you've got your smartphone, type in you version, Y-O-U, you version, and it'll be uh, the first thing you'll come up. It'll look like a little Bible. You won't miss it. Download it. It'll just take a few seconds, and uh, if you need Wi-Fi, you can access our Wi-Fi here. Uh, it's I belong here is the password. I want you to go ahead and do that right now, even if this is not your practice, because I want to, we're going to establish some new training, all right? New training. You can use this every day of the week. This is, how, this is how you interact with God. Have you ever heard people say, I, I heard the Lord speak, and you always thought that was kind of a little weird? This is one of the things that we mean by this. We mean that we're reading God's word, and God's word isn't just something we read. God's word reads us. Reads us. And so I'm going to teach you how we do it as we look at Jonah today. I'm also going to teach you how you can do it in any other book that you look at in the coming months. Does that sound fun? Is that cool? 
So, but I want to lean into some tension for a moment here, if that's okay. I want to lean into some tension because the book of Jonah is interesting. You know, if we look at it, it's about a prophet, but it's not a prophecy. This isn't a one of the prophets. There's different kind of, of, of books in the Bible, law, prophets, poetry, history. And this is a unique book. It's unlike any other book in the Bible. It's about a prophet, but it's not a prophecy. It's also interesting because it has this strange account. You're probably familiar with it. You're familiar with the story of Jonah? Probably most of us are. Finish the sentence. Jonah and the whale. All right, so you've heard of that before. Many of you have heard of that. It's actually the Hebrew word is big fish. But, but we've heard of that before. Jonah and the whale. And so what we have to do when we approach this is really unlearn what we've maybe already learned as a kid. Maybe Because this is not a children's story. This is so much deeper. And anytime we approach any chapter of scripture, what we want to do is not approach it with, what should I believe? But what we want to do is approach scripture and just say this, speak to me. Speak to me. Let these pages speak to me. I come open-minded. As a matter of fact, let's do it right now. Let's do this. Would you just pray with me? Father, I humble myself before the pages of your holy scripture. I submit myself to you. Help me to open my ears and to obey the truth in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. That's something you can do every time you hit scripture. It's a simple practice. And it's powerful. So, but we look at this passage and, and I just want to lean into the tension of this. We hear this strange account of a man who is swallowed alive by a sea monster, <clears throat> lives for uh, three days uh, in the belly of this great fish, and then is miraculously vomited up. He's puked up, he's barfed up, and he, and he lives. And so the first thing we want to do is, is just lean into the strangeness of this and I, I, I want to, uh, you know, because some of you are approaching this, going, am I supposed to take this seriously? This, is, this feels very like Pinocchio-ish. And so, uh, you know, how much of this do I actually, what do I do with this? This seems uh, counter logic. So let's dispel some myths right off the bat, and that'll help us. All right, first thing, Jonah is not an asparagus. <laughs> if, uh, if you're familiar with the, uh, the kids' uh, media, I don't know if he likes to, if he ever liked to walk with tomatoes, uh, if a squash can make him smile. I don't know. Uh, but he, 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 he's, he uh, is a real man. Um, it's not a children's book. But what's really interesting about the book of Jonah is that it is written in a very comic book style. I'm a huge comic book buff. So it's written in a very comic book style, over the top. Everything is huge in the book of Jonah. And all of the characters act in ways that are contrary to the ways that you would expect them to act. Uh, it, it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's, it's a very sophisticated piece of ancient literature that is full of irony. <laughs> it's so ironic. Uh, wit, humor, sarcasm. And uh, if we unpack it, here's what I think we'll see. It's, it's like holding a mirror. Uh, which is really what the Word of God does for us. I think that's why the book of Jonah is included in the canon of scriptures, because it, it really is like holding a mirror. Who is Jonah representing here for us? Jonah is representing the people of God through whom God wants to do God's work in the world. That's who Jonah represents. He's the prophet. But here's the, the irony. The irony is that Jonah is really a horrible man, you guys. He's, he's, he's not a role model for children. Uh, he's self-absorbed. 
He's hateful. He's a racist. He's, he is a wrecking ball for everyone that's in his life. And uh, he's also, the tension is supposed to be a prophet of God. So he's like extra icky, right? Um, and because of the hyperbolic way that this book is written, we're quick to judge and point our fingers at Jonah. You know, we're either laughing at him or we're pointing our fingers at him. But before we get too far in doing so, we see that as Jonah is being exposed, so are our hearts. Our own hearts are being exposed. And the worst tendencies of mankind, of God's covenant people, the worst tendencies of pride and hard-heartedness and stubbornness and, and being unsurrendered, of judgment, judgmentalism and tribalism, nationalism, small-mindedness, small faith, all of the worst tendencies of God's people, the inability to grow, the inability to allow God's grace to surprise us and blow apart our boundaries and the boxes that we put him in, all of those things are exposed in the book of Jonah. So before we get too far, let me say this. It's not about the fish. <laughs> it's not about the fish. We make it about the fish. And I want to take a quick moment uh, to do that. But it's not about the fish. It's about uh, decisions. And here's the big idea for today. Decisions determine destiny. If that's the one thing you walk away from today, you can actually, in your, in your version uh, app, you can go ahead and hit uh, a, a highlight of verse. You can hit notes and you can take some notes today as you're going along. But that's really, I think, the, the big idea that we'll camp on. But a tiny bit more framework that I want to do, uh, because so many people make it about the fish. The book of Jonah tends to polarize people, if I, if I can be honest with you. And what it becomes is, because there's two different camps when it comes to the book of Jonah. There's, there's those who look at the book of Jonah, a lot of people look at the book of Jonah, uh, probably most people would look at the book of Jonah that are believers and followers in Christ, and they would say this is a historic document about uh, the, the telling of a life of a prophet of Israel, the northern kingdom. And this is what actually happened to him. Then there's another camp uh, that would say that the book of Jonah is a narrative parable, uh, which uh, features the real Jonah uh, as the main character. And I, I want to say this because I, I think this will help all of us get to the same place of hearing what God wants to speak to us today. Um, it's become a litmus test for whether or not you believe in miracles. And I don't think that's helpful for us at all today. Um, because, uh, because even if it's a parable, remember that Jesus spoke in parables. Remember that Jesus loved parables. As a matter of fact, the parables were the primary uh, tool that Jesus used to tell God's truths. And sometimes he even named the characters in his parables. Like Lazarus was one of them. But it's also important to remember that Jesus actually spoke about Jonah. He talked about Jonah and talked about the story. And uh, I think, uh, and some people would say, as they look at this, they would say, well, since Jesus referenced the story of Jonah, then it must mean that Jesus believed it was absolutely a historic book uh, because he referenced it. And I want to look at it, and then we can talk about it, and that will help us hear the truth from God's word today. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. All right, verse 38. Um, and you can just, if you want to keep your, your passage open in Jonah, you can look at the sky bubble, that's fine. Um, in uh, verse 38 to 41, uh, this is uh, the story. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he, Jesus, answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it 
except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So I want to say before we go any further is this. Uh, both camps, the camps that believe the book of Jonah is a historic document and the, and the camps that believe that this is a parable, both camps reference this passage. It's not like neither of them uh, are aware of this. Both reference this. And either way, if we look at this, what we can see is that Jesus is using Jonah to teach a truth. So either way, and so here's the good news. All that to say, the good news is this. You don't have to decide whether you believe this is a parable or whether you believe this is a historic document in order for God to speak to you today. That's the great news. Either way, I don't need you to believe that, Joseph, that, that, that this event occurred in real time in the ocean. You don't have to believe that today. That's the good news. And God, but, you know, either way, either is possible. That's, that, that's, that's what I'm saying here. And if you're saying, hey, do you, do you believe that, that God could create a prehistoric fish that, that was made just for this moment with this extra, like, kind of uh, uh, a bladder that was an oxygen bladder that was there for regulating its thing? I don't know. Who knows? God, that's up to God. God does what God does, and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to approach this book from any kind of skepticism. I just approach this word and say, God, speak. And that's something we can all do right now. And I'll say this again. This is something you can apply to anyone at any time with any page of scripture. They don't have to believe before opening the, pic, this, the pages of truth and say, God, speak to me. They don't have to believe anything. It doesn't matter. You can open up and say, hey, would you like to look at this with me? I know you don't, I know, I know, I know you don't believe this, but I think there's some really cool stuff in here. Would you look at it with me? Isn't that cool? So you can do that. No matter where you are right now, you can hear the truth from God's word. So I don't have to prove to you. I don't have to, 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 to teach how Jonah could have scientifically survived uh, because it's not necessary. It's not necessary to see uh, the truth of this word. So uh, that's the great news. Um, now, but, but I should say this. Both groups know this truth, that Jonah is not a made-up character. Jonah was a real man, and he, he was, a, let's look at who, who Jonah is. Uh, Jonah is a real man. He was a prophet of Amos and Hosea. And as a matter of fact, we read about Jonah in a couple places in the Old Testament. Here, let's look at one in 2 Kings 14, through 20, uh, 14 verse 25. This is a historical account, and it says that Jeroboam II, by the way, this is a horrible king. Jeroboam II is a horrible, horrible king. And it says that he recovered the territories of Israel between Labo Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. If I was born in Gath-Hefer, I wouldn't even tell anybody. I don't know. That sounds like a horrible place to be from. Good old Gath-Hefer. Uh, so uh, Jonah was a real man. He was born in the 8th century city of Gath-Hefer. If we're looking at the map, here's where Gath-Hefer would be. I'd be uh, in Galilee, modern day Galilee, about five kilometers uh, north, so about three miles north of the city of Nazareth. Uh, Nineveh, we'll see that in the story as well uh, in the coming weeks. Nineveh was a real city, and uh, it was uh, called the city, or that great city of the, at this time, largest empire that the world had ever seen, uh, the Assyrian Empire. 
uh, and uh, that's been excavated and everything. So it's not like this is, it isn't based in, with a real character in a real setting that actually happened on the planet. So that much we know. You with me, everybody? Is it okay to take a few minutes to do that? It's kind of a teaching thing. Is that cool? You with me, everybody? Got your Bible? You're, you're taking notes. Okay, good. So now let's start. Let's dive in. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So first thing I do is Jonah, what does the word Jonah mean? In Hebrew, the word Jonah means dove. So we expect him to be a peaceful, gentle man. And uh, Amittai, son of Amittai. What does the word Amittai mean in Hebrew? Uh, it means uh, truth. It also just means faithful. The same concept that uh, faithful to the calling, faithful to the purpose. So what we should see here is a guy that is a gentle man who's faithful to his calling. Welp. Here comes the irony before we get past the first few seconds, right? And God called him to arise, which is interesting because the prophets here at Rivers Church have, have really felt God speaking that this is our calling, it's our church for this season, is to arise. And so, so Jonah hears the word, arise, arise and go share the message of God's repentance and forgiveness to Nineveh. And instead of being this gentle, sharing, faithful truth bringer, he acts like a hateful, racist, self-absorbed sinner. Verse 3, but Jonah rose, everybody say rose, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare he went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Remember, our big idea for today is that decisions determine destiny. Say it with me. Decisions determine destiny. So Jonah is a study in the science of sin. Sin, let's unpack that. It's a churchy word. Sin is missing God's mark. Uh, the business world has a definition that I gave across recently, too, uh, is uh, sin is um, uh, stubbornness, irrationality, and narcissism. <laughs> uh, and maybe some of you uh, have a, a sin for a supervisor. Um, so, and I feel, I, 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 my heart goes out to you. So, so we're going to look at some truths about sin from the first chapter of Jonah, that will, if we'll let it, be a mirror, and those mirrors are hard to hold, you guys, but, but will be a mirror for us about us. Now, we're not talking about selfies, because selfies are easy to take, you know, because selfies are, they're, they're lying, right? Selfies are, some of you guys, you love taking those selfies, but that mirror is a different thing. That mirror, the longer you hold it, the harder it is to, to look. Um, so, but what we want to see is that decisions determine our destiny and God is setting before us. And this is really the whole message of every prophet in the old Testament that God is setting before us life and death. And we get to choose. Remember decisions determine destiny, but Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life abundant. 
And uh, so we want to choose life. That's the message. The message that Jonah is supposed to deliver, but it's also the message that Jonah is supposed to receive, right? Um, how is he doing with that? How are you doing with that today? God wants to save us. He's not here to judge us, but God wants to save us. In his judgment, he wants to save us, save us from the pain and the heartache that sin brings. The sin brings, it. here's what it feels like, and here's what the prophets, uh, and a lot of scripture uh, refers to what sin does. It feels like you're being, you ready for this? Swallowed. <laughs> being swallowed up by sin. So God calls Jonah to rise from where he was, and he obeyed that part. And then he did the old rise and run. Um, and we laugh at Jonah, you know, because who can flee? Who can flee from the presence of the Lord? And Jonah was familiar with this passage. Um, in scripture, even, as a prophet, he would have been familiar with this, but who can flee? But, but it, it doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you do. And so he, he knows, he knows better, but he does the rise and run and and. How many of us that we identify with the old rise and run? We started right, and then we went wrong. Hey, you know what? Here's the good news and the bad news about being a disciple of Christ. It's both good news and bad news. You ready? It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. All right? So that's great news if you started wrong, because you can still finish right. But it's bad news if you started wrong and you're in the struggle. Hey, don't rely on where you started. It's time to get and turn the ship around and obey. All right? You with me? That's free. So our first point today, and I'm going to go quick. Our first point today is this. Partial obedience is the same as disobedience. Right? So the, first, the verse we just looked at, it says um, that jo Jonah paid the fare. Jonah paid the fare. Did he, though? He thought he did. In the words of Mr. Miyagi, not a yet. Uh, that is uh, the truth. Sin promises, like it did for Jonah, a wide open horizon of unlimited freedom, right? But where we end up is in a tiny bubble of self-absorbed misery. And so the book of Jonah gives us this visual image of sin as we experience it in our own lives. And let's be real, uh, all of us are sinners, right? Saved by grace. Ain't nobody here that didn't. And, and, and uh, it says in God's good word that if you think you aren't, then you're a liar. <laughs> um, so, hey, we're all in good company. Um, and what sin does, and this is an old... Uh, saying it's been around for a long time. I tried to, to find who was the actual originator of this quote, and I don't know who it is yet because the internet told me it was Abraham Lincoln. That seems wrong. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. It didn't. But uh, sin takes you farther than you wanted to go, keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, and costs you more than you wanted to pay. You heard that one before? Oh, that's a good one. And, uh, and uh, we can boil it down to this. Decisions determine destiny, right? Point number two, sin has a mortgage. 
Anybody ever had a hefty mortgage? Sounded real good at the time. That real estate lady, man, she knew what she was talking about until all of a sudden it's time to pay the mortgage. Sin has a mortgage. Let's look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? (laughs) Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So let's look at the, uh, remember, it's a study of sin. So let's look at the, the pattern here. It says that Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down to the ship. Then he went down to the underneath part of the ship. And then it says that he fell in down into a deep sleep. And that's really the pattern of sin. You know, it, it, it's, it's never a, a boom, one step, and boy, there we go. It's just a slow decline, decision by decision by decision. And not until all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a place we never thought we'd be, doing the thing we never thought we'd do, being the person we never thought we'd be. Does that hit? Now, let's, let's look at some of the other characters in the story that we see so far. Jonah's sleeping, y'all. He's just having a, a restful experience, but what, what about the other people in his life right now? What's happening with them? They are in chaos, yes. They are freaking out. Here's what they're doing. They are getting rid of everything that they have, that they were clinging to prior to this journey. They were excited about this journey. This is their livelihood. And they are getting rid of all of it in the hopes of salvation. Man, they have thrown everything else out and they are calling out to any God that they think might hear them. And where is the man of God? Mm. So here's the first question for you. Who's in your boat? Who's in your ship? And what kind of God are they calling out to right now? What kind of American idol, idolatry are they clinging to? You know, we're not big on, on idols that have names that are, you know, from uh, uh, Olympic Greek heritage or whatever. But boy, we have our own gods in America, don't we? Whether that be money or careers or sex or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and so we're calling out to these gods, save me. Help me feel better. Numb my pain. Take me out of this situation. So who's in our boat? Here's number three. Sin's ripple effect touches others. Now these people, man, they are, they are bailing everything out. They are throwing out the baby with the bathwater. They are throwing out their dreams, their hopes, their family, their marriages. They're throwing it all out, hoping that they can get to a better place. And where's Jonah while they're bailing water? Well, here's the truth. Jonah is just fine. He's sleeping. And this is, again, a study of sin because 
Here's the great American myth. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And man, we've heard that so long and we just feel like it's true. Hey, as long as nobody else is getting hurt, it's none of my business. People can do whatever they want because that's America. And it doesn't bother me because it doesn't hurt me. But listen, every, uh, every evidence, every sign points contrary to that message. And we've been around long enough that we know it ain't true, right? We know it's not true. All of the evidence points to the contrary. And even our logic, if we just engage our brain for a second, and we think about this truth, this big idea, did that big idea resonate with you, that decisions determine destiny? Did that resonate with you? Of course it did. That's logic. We get it. Little, the small decisions that I make determine the kind of person that I become, right? And so uh, that resonates with us. Then why, though, do, do we still, some of us cling to this idea that, that, that there should be this separation, that it doesn't really, what I do shouldn't, really, people should mind their own business because it doesn't affect them. This is just simply untrue. Every little piece, the, every decision that I make, how long before it builds up until the point that it spills out? It's eventually, the point is not if, but when. When will it spill out? And when will it impact others? Um, you know, 20 years ago, 2003, scientists began exploring this issue of the ripple effect. And um, this is an interesting quote from the Scientific American in, uh, by James Watson. He says, you can inherit something beyond the DNA sequence. That's where the real excitement of genetics is now. What he's talking about is this principle, the decisions of people around us affect us and affect us in ways that are observably scientifically. Isn't that interesting? Let's look at that um, from the biblical point of view. Let's go all the way back to the garden. After Adam and Eve had sinned, their son, uh, Cain, God is speaking to Cain in verse, uh, chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 7, and he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the, at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. What did sin want to do to Cain? It wanted to consume him. It wanted to swallow him up. And, and uh, God said to him, you have to rule over it or it will rule over you. And then verse 10, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't listen to God. He, he, like Jonah, he disobeys God. And then in verse 10, he kills his brother. And then in verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And then a punishment is pronounced. And in verse 13, Cain says to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. So after murdering his brother, Cain sends out, just a little history here. Um, Cain sends out uh, he, he, on his own. He, it says that in verse 16, he says that we went away from the presence of the Lord. You know, one of the things that we're after this year as a church is to honor and cultivate the presence of the Lord here in our church and in our homes. But the problem is that sin will hamper our ability to do that and will always cause us to flee from the presence of the Lord. And so that's what happened with Cain. He, he moves out of Eden. He says he moves uh, to, uh, he, he establishes a new city, establishes a new life east of Eden, in the land of Nod, I think it is. And uh, so the story of Cain and Abel sets in motion a ripple effect 
that builds throughout all of Scripture, all of the Hebrew Bible, this ripple effect. Cain and his murderous descendants, here's what they do. They build cities. Now, we're bad enough on our own, y'all, but when we get together, we get exponentially worse without Jesus. And this, um, these cities of, of blood uh, cry out to the God, the creator, uh, to judge the city. And so, uh, so the city that built by, by Cain uh, becomes even uh, worse in, but with his great-great-great-grandson, oh, sorry, great-great-great-great-grandson, Lamech. Lamech. And he, Scripture records, that he said, I've murdered a man and I murdered a young man. I don't know if it's the same one or if he just murdered two. But he says, I did it. And guess what? I'm going to be seven, 70 times more vengeful than my great-great-great-great-grandfather Cain. And so this ripple effect continues down the line. And if we keep going further and further. Oh, by the way, there's two Lamechs. One is from Cain. And the one is his uh, brother's child. Uh, so his brother Seth. So his, his nephew, Lamech, and Lamech actually calls on the Lord, and he believes God. And what's really cool is his, uh, uh, one of his grandchildren becomes Methuselah, who is the longest living man in the entire planet. So it's really cool when you, when you see l- blessings. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Isn't that cool? So this is our theme for the day. You know, we, we, decisions determine destiny. Are you with me so far, man? I'm going, I'm, I'm just flying all over the place, but, but, but stay, stay close. All right, so then we get to uh, God says, all right, it's too much. The blood is crying out from the ground. I'm going to wipe him out. And he does with the flood. And now there's a new man, Noah. But we don't get very far before we see once again that uh, we're right back where we started. And so we, we dive further in history, uh, you know, hundreds of years later, a thousand years later. And we have one of Noah's descendants, a guy named Nimrod. And guess what? Nimrod founds a city a city, another city of blood, and it's called Nineveh. So there's the flyby in history. We can see that this story is just kind of, uh, uh, it, it continues. The ripple effect continues. And so we're right up in here in our own city of blood, right? So how does this affect us? So God calls to Jonah and he says, I want you to be my messenger. The city needs to hear. And Jonah's like, God, Nineveh be Nineveh. Nineveh be Nineveh, man. Like, I am not here to bring that word to Nineveh. I got my own business. I'm just going to let Nineveh be Nineveh. So fast forward to the storm. Cut back to the chase in verse 7. And uh, the sailors, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that, they, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And of what people are you? And he said, I'm Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Oh, the irony is so thick in here in this moment, isn't it? So you can see the sailor's eyes getting big when he says, I fear the Lord who made the uh, sea. And he's oblivious and they're furious, right? Now, isn't it interesting? We live in, in this world where, where, where people recognize hypocrisy right away, you know? And they know how you're supposed to be 
when you're not living up to what you believe. And, uh, you know, they don't know which God up until this point that he was serving, but they do know because he told them earlier that he was running from a God. And they were like, well, hey, your business, bro. But when his business became their business, they got furious, right? And also, how ridiculous, how ridiculous to run from a God who made the sea on what he made, right? But before we judge Jonah too quickly, how ridiculous for us to run from a God who made our bodies and knows us so well, and yet we think we know better when it comes to sex. Think we know better when it comes to parenting. Think we know better when it comes to living outright. How ridiculous. When he's the engineer of every good thing, every perfect and good gift comes from him when there's no turning, right? But the irony here is he says that he fears the Lord. Does he though? Does he fear the Lord? Uh, who do you think notices that his talk is cheap? <laughs> uh, verse uh, 10, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to, them, said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Here's verse 4, and I'm going to drive home really quickly here. Sin ruins us and then reveals us. Isn't that sadistic? convinces us it's the right thing to do and then castigates us for being so stupid. And it, it, again, it's just so interesting. We live in this culture. You might, you might even say that America, in spite of all of its sinfulness, in spite of how far we are from the, uh, the commands of, of God, we're so prudish when it comes to things that we see when a leader rises up and we find out that they've, they've cheated on their wife. Oh my gosh, cheated on their wife? How could he? And of course, we should be. But why are they thinking that though, right? Well, you know, this is how we've been indoctrinated since we were kids uh, and our parents were too. And so, but the thing is, it's just that we're so quick. It's evidence of the law of God that's been imprinted on our hearts. Why should we be? Well, because there's a lawgiver. And the lawgiver knows things and has put right and wrong in our hearts. It's so interesting. Anyways, that's, I can't go that far. Um, but knowledge only takes us so far. Obedience is the final step. Uh, so, so Jonah, uh, let's look at verse 11. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, at first glance, this is kind of uh, like, okay, um, self-sacrificing. All right. Okay, Jonah, way to go. You're learning. You're growing. Except I want to ask you a question. What has he, I mean, he's volunteered himself to be thrown overboard. But what has he not done yet? Uh, let me put it another way. What has he been compelled to do two times already by pagan sailors that he has yet to do? Call on the Lord. And he's like, you know, uh, I'm too much of a coward to commit suicide. Can you guys just kill me? 
Just throw me overboard. I mean, he could have tossed himself overboard. But he was like, just kill me. You know what? This is where sin takes us. This is, you know, decisions determine our destiny. But sin, uh, what it does is it convinces us that we're already at our destiny. Um, it, so point five, my last point, uh, before I, I try to wrap it up. Sin convinces us it's over before it's over. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get him back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleases you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So the continual surprise of this book is that uh, the people who should be not calling on God are, and the person that should be isn't. Um, How are you doing with that? It should be no surprise to us that God might show up in a bar before he shows up in a church. Because sometimes people in a church are like Jonah. And sometimes the people in the bar are like that uh, heathen who beat his chest that Jesus talked about. That said, I'm a wicked man. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. And he couldn't lift his eyes to heaven. God's not a respecter of persons or places. Um, that's right. So verse 17, the end of our chapter today and the end of our journey today uh, is this. But the Lord provided, verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah went down to Joppa. Then he went down into the ship. He went down to the lower decks. And he went down to sleep, a deep sleep. And then he was swallowed down into the darkest imaginable nightmare. I mean, that's my biggest nightmare, y'all. Just seeing ripples in the water and a shadow begins to grow. And soon that shadow is bigger than the ship that I was just hurled from. That's why this book is so cool, man, because it's bigger than life, and it gives you this visceral imagery of the power of the truth that decisions determine our destiny. And you know, it's, again, that, that being swallowed up is really layered throughout Scripture, being swallowed up by sin. But here's the ending point. When you find yourself in that moment, in the belly of a whale, a fish, great fish, sea monster, the, the Hebrew word that Jesus uses uh, when he talks about Jonah is actually sea monster. It's kind of cool. I like that. When you find yourself there, remember this truth too, that God is still God. And God is on the throne, not sin. So sin's power has no hold over you when you call on God. You just switch your allegiance from the power of sin to the power of God. Know know this truth too. Scripture, it's interesting when you read it. The sea is a character. 
Did you see that? The sea is a character in the book. The, the great fish is a character. Who sent the storm? It wasn't Satan. God sent the storm. Who appointed or provided the sea beast? Well, it was God. And so sometimes when you're looking at the problems of your life, the things that are problems, remember, don't be too quick to judge your circumstance because maybe God provided. Who knows? Because God is not interested in your comfort. He is interested in your character. And so maybe he's calling to you and he's saying, well, you just call out to me. Yeah, come on, boy. Call out. You know you're a prophet of God. You know I said before you life and death. Son, choose life. I want you to go and share that message with the world. But before you do, would you just receive it for yourself, son? Would you stop being so unsurrendered, hard-hearted? And would you surrender yourself to the truth that's in front of you today? Now, Jonah didn't, at least not yet. But remember this, that God is still God. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Romans 8.38 says, And I am convinced that neither that nothing can se se ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news for you today, y'all. If decisions have determined your destiny, it isn't over. It isn't over. Your story's not over. And, he, and God wants to write a new, God just always holding a pen in his right hand. He always wants to write the end of your story. I want you to stand with me as we close. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.